Volatility is high. For how long and how to allocate in the meantime, here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform, because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of May 23rd, 2022, and this week, Julia and I are here to discuss volatility. But before we do, we have a request of our listeners. That's right. This week, we'd also like to ask our listeners to rate, like, or follow this podcast. It helps like-minded investors find the show. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, open up the Market Matters podcast page. And as Lauren said, like or follow us or give us a rating. And as always, find myself or Julia on LinkedIn if you have questions or topics of interest you'd like us to cover. We really do use those as we consider what to discuss and what to research. Although this week has been pretty straightforward to identify what is top of mind for investors. That's right. So then getting back to market volatility, it goes without saying that price action has been pretty ugly across asset classes. So we're going to talk through what's happening, why it's happening, and when we think things might calm and what that means for portfolios. And with that, I signed us up for a lot. So let me throw it right to you, Julia. Give us a sense of what exactly is happening other than that the markets are crazy. Yeah, volatility and price action of the past few weeks has been pretty uneven. So first off, aside from cryptocurrencies, we're really just talking about the US here. We have not seen this story play out to the same degree in international equities. Now, obviously, cryptocurrencies or digital assets, whatever you want to call them, those have taken the biggest price hit. And they've also seen the highest volatility among the major asset classes. As of last week, and according to data from Bloomberg, Bitcoin's 10-day volatility was 70%, and that was the lowest among the major digital currencies. Ethereum had 10-day volatility of 100%, and that is over two times that of the hardest hit equity index, which is the NASDAQ. Those are some pretty show-stopping numbers, and I think we could do an entire year of episodes on crypto and the recent implosion there. But let's pivot to the more universally felt impact, which has been in equities. You said NASDAQ was the hardest hit? Yeah, the NASDAQ has lost almost $7 trillion in market cap since the start of the year as of last week. And that is a really solid reflection of what's happening across growth stocks across the board, especially large cap growth. Price to earnings or PE multiples of growth stocks have taken a real tumble from about 30 times last fall to 21 times today. Another set of really shocking numbers. And I can't help but think about how having a major index like the NASDAQ see multiple declines of, like you said, 30 times to nearly 21 times. And then at the same time, you have consumer price inflation above 8%. That's just a difficult story for everyday households. It really is. Although we should probably save how it feels for the portfolio pause. Yeah, that's a good point. But in the meantime, we'll then get to the why of this story. Why the sell-off slash volatility and why the relative concentration of the pain in growth stocks and the digital space? So as we covered in last week's podcast, corporate earnings have held up relatively well. There also has not been a shift in the economic outlook fundamentally. So when those fundamentals are relatively unchanged, that is what points to this being a sentiment-driven sell-off. 
This is not an area where we particularly relish in being right, but that is a good point. This is something that we've been saying for several weeks now, and we know how emotional the market can be, especially in the face of a less supportive policy framework, which is exactly what sentiment seems to be adjusting to. So even though the Fed's hiking cycle and the onset of quantitative tightening, which will start next month, have been very well signaled, the valuations of growth stocks haven't suffered much as we would have maybe expected about the Fed's cycle as it's become more hawkish. And so growth stocks are coming off of a very expensive base since they were inflated by quantitative easing during the pandemic. And now the air is coming out of that system as policy support is gradually withdrawn. Hmm. Now I'm hearing mentions of something being inflated and air coming out. Are you alluding to a bubble, Lauren? Was tech in a bubble that has now burst? You know what? Probably. I mean, time will have to tell on that one. But what we know now is that many growth stocks were extremely expensive and the market is no longer willing to pay those multiples in the economic conditions that we see right now, which which aren't perfect economic conditions. Okay, yeah. So we're dealing with skittish market sentiment, not an imminent economic collapse. So the question then becomes, when will the pain end? You know, the trillion dollar question at this point, when will the volatility calm? My hunch is that the market really needs to see inflation and Fed hawkishness peak. And then the worst of the pressure on growth equity valuations could be behind us. Yes. And we've talked about that in previous episodes, and I think it will be a key marker of a bit of a sea change in the markets. Before we're willing to make that call, we'd need to see a few months of quantitative tightening behind us, just the markets adjusting to that reality, which is not something we've experienced a lot in the past. And growth would need to slow, that's economic growth, would need to slow more than it has. So how to allocate during such a period depends on whether the Fed achieves a soft landing, that is completing the hiking cycle without causing a recession, which you may remember is is sort of the point of our outlook for the rest of the year, which is can growth really hold this market together? And frankly, that opportunity, it's still there, but it's narrowing as the market reacts. This takes us to our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. And although it is a portfolio pause and not a real economy pause, I'd like to spend just a moment acknowledging that the combination of market volatility and high inflation can impact the real economy too. It's a very good point you're raising, Lauren. You know, a concept very commonly referenced in economics is the wealth effect. And this is the idea that when asset prices rise, and by asset prices, we could be talking about the stock market or housing prices. When those asset prices rise, investors can feel richer and spend more in the real economy. And by contrast, when asset prices decline, people might feel more concerned and spend less. Yes, exactly. And this is important for at least two reasons. The first is that real economy reason. The risk that volatility like this can impact overall consumer health and therefore contribute to a slowing economy. And since this was one of the three major factors impacting our constructive view on the economy, it's worth mentioning. Yeah, it's also worth mentioning, though, that we think it's too early to get pessimistic about the consumer. Retail sales data out last week suggested that the economic force of the consumer is still going quite strong, although, of course, we're keeping our eye on every related data point. Yes, exactly. And the second reason why this sort of wealth effect story is is interesting or could be important has to do with the portfolio side of things. And with this sort of volatility, we talk of recession getting louder. It's it's so, so important in that context to stay focused on long-term investment goals. Because even though you know that that news can feel looming, it can feel dismal at times, 
diversified portfolios are truly constructed with these moments in mind and to weather moments in the market and in the economy that are less than ideal. You know, almost everything in the equity and fixed income space is down right now, and it can feel like there's nowhere to hide other than maybe in commodities. But our thinking on how to allocate in the current environment hasn't changed, which hopefully provides some comfort. We are still overweight U.S. equities. Even though the the main argument in favor of that right now is that there's no alternative when inflation is high as it is now. Yeah. And even though that's a very unsatisfying argument, it does stand. Within U.S. equities, we are overweight value and we're remaining underweight growth, as we have been for the past few months. And we would be assessing any rotation back into growth on the basis of not just valuation, which we've been talking about today and has become much cheaper, but also we'd be looking at profitability and the economic environment. And then on the fixed income side of our portfolio, we're still looking at a global flexible portfolio. And on average, we are still short duration and we need to see hawkishness peak in the U.S. before we can add that back. Coming up next, earnings season's wrapped and there aren't any major policy meetings or data releases on the horizon. That means we'll be watching the markets and report back with any new signals in the coming weeks. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, please remember to give us a like, follow, or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can follow our views at newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the Insights tab. Until then, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Julia Herman. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamats and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which may vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific date, is subject to change, and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. There's no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nylife Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nylife Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.